Clay, since you usually notice things like uh, new badges and different costumes and different tailoring on the the suits and everything in this Star mm. Trek series, I was wondering if you if you noticed that evil Bob Picardo in this episode called Darkling was wearing prosthetic teeth. I didn't notice the teeth. I noticed the eyes, though. Oh, okay, that was the other thing. Yeah, so you, we don't notice Betazoid eyes, but we notice the doctor's eyes. I didn't notice either, I don't think. So this, this well, goes to speak to the difference between us. Bob Picardo just has such dreamy eyes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's tough find, not find to look at. Them. Falling into them endlessly yeah. every single episode. Yeah, apparently there were small... Uh, irises i guess to make his eyes look beady or something like that that's what the way that it's described but mm. i couldn't tell you i wasn't uh, i wasn't aware i didn't notice the teeth either i just i noticed his hair got frizzier like they sort of like they sort mm. of picked out his hair a little bit to make it a little bit fluffy but that's that's the extent of the physical differences that i noticed i i almost didn't notice what i have to assume is the <laughs> is the laziest alien makeup in the history of this franchise uh, which was we've like got some contenders here is if the the of these aliens we meet in this episode yeah it's it's like uh it's like lazy bajoran yeah that's, i guess they, is the yeah, best way i yeah, could put it they get it. <laughs> yeah they're a um they're a spin-off of the bajorans they look very similar to them yeah at least the bajorans get like earrings an ear an earring and an ethos you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> is is i was gonna I was wondering. I mean, maybe this will this is better for a discussion in the actual podcast. Is um, is Zahir in this episode the the guy that Kess falls for? Mm. Is this the most prominent amount of screen time for a guest actor that could easily not exist and not change anything in the episode? <laughs> Uh, I think that should be a question for literally everybody in this episode. Okay, <laughs> I, I don't think anybody. I think. No one in this episode has needs any needs to be there. Needs to be here. <laughs> <laughs> this is dark. The story literally would not change if you took anybody or everybody out of it. Our attention would not change either. This is Darkling, Darkling Duck, my favorite animated Darkling show from Duck. the after school era. Episode 18, by God, we'll get to the end of this season soon, of the third season of Star Trek Voyager, came out on February 19th, 1997. Did this come out before or after Virtuosity, Clay? The sci-fi classic. <laughs> Do you know? I had to look it up because I was so uh, curious. You know, when I was younger, I had all the stats on Virtuosity just hardwired Virtu- in my head. We, I can't believe we haven't covered it on the Patreon because I love Virtuosity. I haven't I seen know, it in 10 years, but I love that it. Is, that is the weird thing that I didn't know about you, and t- but it has come up a m- number of times is your love of the movie Virtuosity. <laughs> it's, a, it's one of Russell Crowe's top three performances, and it's like a terrible script for him, but yeah. he, he completely dominates that movie as Sid 3.67 or whatever that thing is. He's called. very good at that. That seems to be what he he does uh, because any, I mean, if you, anything he's been in in the last five years, it's been more of this kind of the same thing where it's like, this isn't great, but he's really good. Well, Virtuosity is his first feature, right? His first Hollywood feature. Is it, is it after, uh, Romper Stomp? Is it Romper Stomper, the, the big Australian one he was in? Yeah. Or is yeah well, I'm thinking, I, yeah, I'm, I, I think it is. I think it was that one, but the, the Australian thing is what the, I guess the difference, like this is his first Hollywood yeah. production, I think. Off to a good start. It's Denzel Washington too, right? Yes, Denzel Washington. It's a good. It's a good cat. The the movie's premise is actually pretty good too. It's, it's just he's he gives such a schlocky sci- B sci fi movie performance. It's yeah. like incredible to watch. We'll have to cover Den- it for the Patreon. 
Denzel's one of those actors where if you go back and you actually look at his filmography, there is a lot of weird shit in between the stuff that he's known for. It's yes, not it yes. does it's not just like he appears on the scene and then it's Devil in a Blue Dress, Malcolm X and Philadelphia. No. It's like he there's virtuosity, there's a run, there's a movie he did. I've seen this movie and I don't remember why I watched it where um <clears throat> he plays a a a, a lawyer who gets murdered and Bob Hoskins is the racist white cop that needs to solve his murder. Didn't and we his cover ghost, that? Is that why? We is that why the, I've we, seen we it? We covered that on the Patreon. Yeah, or it was, it's, it was Oh, it's cuz Oh, it's cuz it was his lowest Yeah, yeah it was yeah. his lo- <laughs> That's why I've seen that movie. <laughs> it was on Real Ripe and Real Oh yep. man, back when we <laughs> used to do that f- 10 years ago. <laughs> I was I was I was racking my brain trying to figure out why, why I would seen you? that movie. <laughs> That was a terrible movie. Yeah, that was his yeah. lowest rated. Yeah, yeah, it's a doozy. <laughs> so there's a lot of those in there too. And then he teams up with Tony Scott and starts wearing the same shirt in every movie. <laughs> right, and giant, giant of, pants and a giant shirt. Yeah. <laughs> and then he did uh, Signs. Not Signs. Is it Signs? Fences. 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 That's it. I wish he was in Signs. This is Darkling. Anyway, did this come up before or after Virtuosity? I ask because the doctor's problem is very similar to the concept of Sid 6.7 in Virtuosity. Oh, is it really? Um, I'm going to say after. This did come out after, yes, which yeah. leads me to think that it was obviously influenced by Virtuosity. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, colossal hit, Virtuosity, really influenced the culture. Just so, As I can, a whole. just so I can complete the thoughts, or if people aren't left wondering, um, in Virtuosity, Russell Crowe plays this computer AI villain that is like a uh, an amalgamation of all these different serial killers and like horrible criminals that have been caught mm-hmm. in the past. And the police have put their minds into this virtual reality training simulator, and they've combined them into this character called Six, Sid Six Point Seven, which is played by Russell Crowe. But it's it's the same idea. He's like the worst parts of everybody. Um, anyway, Darkling. Teleplay goes to Joe Minoski. Story credit goes to Brandon Braga and Joe Minoski, directed by Alex Singer. In Universe Date, excuse me, 50693.2, which is 2373. We've been in that year for a while. Darkling. The doctor alters his personality subroutines while Kess contemplates leaving Voyager for a man. <laughs> Good. Um, so I had, I was all over the map with this one, I think. Yeah. I. I, I've I've sat and reflected on this one for a lot, but yes. which is weird because when it started, the first fifteen minutes I was like, "This is not any kind of Voyager episode that I want to watch." Really, like yes. this this looks terrible. I don't want to deal with a Kess falls for a man that she met off screen in between the last couple episodes, and she leaves the ship, and then the Doctor went crazy, and I was like, "Okay." At least I have something to cling on to here. We're going to do the Voyager thing of a character episode is usurped by the sci-fi concept and we just deal with the sci-fi concept for another 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then it ended. And then I thought about it and I was like, you know, that could have been something. Mm. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm, in, I'm in this weird place where it's not a good episode. It's pretty yeah. bad. But I actually think that um, and I, I looked up the behind the scenes stuff because I was I was fairly sure I had an idea of what had happened, and I, I seem to be correct about that. But I, I thought this could have been an interesting episode, but instead it just turned into this limp fair thing that we had to deal with and watch. 
Yeah, I kind of went through the same uh, roller coaster ride. Um, <clears throat> I so <laughs> the thing the thing that's getting me this season, and I don't know if it's just the one thing that's giving me a ray of hope or something, but um, I keep thinking every episode is going to be the last Kess episode. Okay, <laughs> and because I know she leaves, yes. and I don't know when it happens, and they keep teasing this, and uh, I keep falling for it. Okay. Um, and so this one, I was thinking, oh, I mean, this makes sense. Why? I, I think the, her reasoning for wanting to go is very sound. I yes. think her reasoning yep. for staying is very stupid. Yep. Uh, <laughs> also, it, what, what is her lifespan again? Nine years, something like Nine that. Nine years. Yeah. Okay. For some reason, I thought it was three years. And so when she said she was three, I was like, Jesus, she's better hurry up. No, they lined um, it up to, like, this is a typical Voyager thing, right? They lined it up that her lifespan would match the run, anticipated run of the show, which is seven mm. years for a Star Trek show. So they could kill her in the last. Yes. Yeah, so that, like, but at least that, like, that's a that's an interesting idea, right? This character's entire life will take place on this show as Voyager makes its way back to Earth. Oh yeah, you know, no, it's it's a really interesting idea. Yeah. Um, if you have the character in a situation where those nine years would be at any point in, more interesting than just sure. watching her file paperwork on a ship. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. to the point where she even realizes this herself within the universe of the show. Yes. Um, but cannot take the step to actually um, realize the potential of her short life. Um, I thought that idea was interesting. Um, I actually, I was kind of, I was actually into it. All right. I was into the cast part. I was. I, I was into the early cast part only because it's they've literally done nothing with her right. as far as th- this element of like they they it's it's much like the entire concept of of the show. Yeah, her short lifespan is something that they kind of forget about and don't really deal with ever. Well, it's kind and of so, a, it's kind of a it's the same way Voyager does with a lot of things. It's kind of a fact. That exists, but it's not particularly yep. important to the show unless it needs to be important for some reason. So yes. it's like how Voyager is stranded far from home is brought up occasionally, and it's sometimes the focus of something, but they don't always treat the show as if that's the situation that they find themselves in. Right. And, you know, you have this character who has this thing built into them that that should be something that generates a certain emotion from them. Yeah, but it doesn't. I mean, the the only time that she, it's ever really generated anything was when she broke up with Neelix because she realized that was fucking dumb. Right. <clears throat> Can't waste. <laughs> she's wasted almost a third of her life with this guy. Quarter of her life with this um, horrible Neelix clown person. And so, like this idea that she is actually going to explore life outside of Voyager. I'm like, okay, I'm down with that. Again, in back of my head, I'm like, maybe this is the one where she actually leaves. Yeah. Um. I was I was into the doctor stuff at first. Mm. Uh only <laughs> mainly well, mainly because I it uh it allowed Robert Picardo to channel some uh Eddie the Werewolf energy from the howling. Yes. Yep. Which is fun. Yeah. Picardo's a great actor. I I you know, anytime they give him more to do, I'm always happy happy to see it. But uh very quickly <laughs> Very quickly, I was like, "Okay, this is pretty stupid." <laughs> and especially, especially at the point when Balan is like, "Listen, this is just going to wear off in like ten hours." <laughs> <laughs> I, like, go. 
<laughs> yeah, it, it, it just got really stupid really fast. And like, there was a part of me that was like, okay, there's something interesting in here where uh, the doctor, who is this artificial intelligence program, who is uh, made up of basically he's he's a computer program, but we know that he is capable of some human emotion because yes. he has he has uh, professed his feelings for Kess in the past, yep. right? Yeah, and so there is something kind of interesting about this idea that he is trying to tweak himself with uh, <laughs> the. Lord with Byron, Ga- with Gandhi, yeah, with Gandhi. Ga- Ga- apparently, Gandhi, <laughs> an incredible prude. I didn't know that about Gandhi. But. Gandhi, yeah. The Lord Byron was the weird one. I had just read a book that features a, a, a relative of Lord Byron, which is like just kind of bizarre that this is all coming together. Like, how many times do you, do you Mark hear, Mark Byron? Mark, how many times do you? How many times do you have the name Lord Byron dropped in your lap uh, in the course of a couple yeah. months? And this time it's happened twice. But yeah, I, I take your point too, and, and I. I, I honestly I don't understand the historical background of those characters enough to know whether or not I'm being bullshitted by the yeah, show. Yeah, I have I have no idea. Yeah. yeah, but you know, like there's something interesting about he's he's trying to tweak his personality, and it, it's sort of it's sort of the same thing that comes along anytime they try to do this with data. But it, it, I, I I always find it interesting where he has now one of the side effects of 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 trying to become more human. And forcing yourself, like artificially becoming more human, is not, um, not uh, being aware of the of the negative side of human emotion. And yep. so he 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 adds something to his program that allows him to get like insanely jealous. So like that's pretty interesting. But that isn't even really why he's doing this. He's just, I don't know. He gives some speech about being the the darkness of humanity or some bullshit (laughs) but like i like i kind of if the whole thing had been sort of oh well the how do the doctor is jealous like like uh you know lifetime movie boyfriend jealous yeah how do we get him to that point how what does he learn from this etc 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 like that's kind of interesting to me but they didn't do that at all like they they kind of hinted at it but they just turned it into this other bullshit and then at the end at the end, he just goes back to normal, and they're like, "Yeah, it's gonna, yeah, you're fine now." Yeah, well, that was a close one. We Nothing happened. Well, I'm glad you didn't also, rape anybody here. And also, why is the Federation? Why is Voyager investigating this guy falling off a rock? I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm. They're not cops. I'm, <laughs> Oh, I mean, it was such an incredibly dramatic fall sequence that I think that they were obligated contractually to have to investigate whenever someone would fall. But it's like, you know, even if they think it's the, they think it's the guy. It was, it was incredibly dramatic. They think it's the guy who is bullshitting Janeway. It's like, okay, well, that's a, that's a local problem. That's not the fucking Federation's issue. I, my, my plot question to you is like I, I agree that i don't really understand why they have to investigate this other than that's just what they decide to do why what was the point of the second guy the 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 one that janeway is talking to who then gets mm-hmm. attacked and bur- why why does he exist in the story i think it's solely to be a red herring as for who uh, just the voyager crew f- for the audience like I, I think it's well, yeah. In, in by but, proxy, the Voyager crew, yeah. But 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 isn't the Doctor revealed to be the one immediately after the scene? very quickly? Yes, yeah. it's so, like the next scene. Yeah. But but I guess my 
my question is that they go back to that guy because he gets his hand burned, right? And then he's like scared yeah. of talking. And I just didn't, I didn't understand his point at all. I thought that that was such a strange, weird, useless addition, addition to the script. But. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's there for, it's there to, to facilitate the setup of him getting knocked off the rock because, you know, they obviously have an issue with each other. Right. And then you don't see who pushes him off the rock. So obviously the audience is supposed to assume it's this guy. Yeah. But yes, they, they show it's the doctor in the very next scene. Right. And so you get into that, um, you get into that problem in a mystery when the audience has more information than the the the, the detective does. Yeah, yeah. Um, where you're just kind of waiting around, being like, "Yeah, it's not fucking him." Like, right. it's put two, and two together. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's uh, and <laughs> and it's not compelling enough. It's not like it's not a Columbo episode where that's the the gimmick of the show is the audience has more information than Columbo does. Right. Right. Yeah, I was. Um, then I, they're just stuck with this guy. That they got to do <laughs> yeah, stuff with. right. He's he's got to be continuing on in the episode. I was struck by, um, so what I was thinking as this was going on, right, was that I was watching these scenes and they have the cast sequence where they're building this character story for Cass, where she's getting anxious to leave and stuff. They're having a couple scenes of, I thought, pretty interesting perspective on this like so granted you have to start at grand zero with everything here they have not done cast the character right on this show to make mm-hmm. this kind of story work for her right but but yeah. i see how this could work in a better run show and a better written show and i think that there's real potential in dotting your series with cast grows up stories where you can have a different perspective as she ages along with the show mm-hmm. and and i like this one this idea of She's now sort of out of her teenage years or like her, you know, in her early 20s. And she's thinking about going out into the world. And I yeah. thought that they, I thought the writing was pretty good. Like it's, she, she obviously, she sets up the jealousy thing with um, the doctor. They have their scene where he's like, oh, who's this, the here character and all that stuff to establish that he knows who he is. Then she has a conversation with like Tuvok and Janeway that were, mm-hmm. I thought, kind of neat little allegories about, you know the the young girl who's growing up and trying to spread her wings, and there's this sort of like paternalistic defensiveness of her leaving from Tuvok, who's like, "Listen, mm-hmm. I don't think you're ready for this." And Janeway, who's the maternal figure, who's like, "Spread your wings, and you should go out there and experience all the life has to give you." And I'm like, "This is okay." And then the, when the doctor started going crazy, right? There was this uh, very sexual angle to everything. And I was yeah. like, wow, they're going to they're play this is that he literally wants to fuck Kess and he's going to kill the people who get in his way from that, mm. right? And so I was like, wow. As, that's- as you should. Right, exactly. That's the only, that's the only defense is a good offense. <laughs> so so, so they, they do that, right? And I'm like, wow, this is getting crazy for a Voyager episode. I wonder how far this is going to go. At that point, there's a, a finger snap and he does what you say, which is he just becomes evil incarnate for some reason. Yeah. And at that point, I was like, all right, this failed. So what went wrong? And I was looking at the production notes. So originally, it wasn't even what my idea was that they were going to play this sort of like sexual mind thing, which is that the doctor has this 
deep-seated fear of Kess leaving. He loves Kess, and he he has this sort of like psychosexual jealousy thing that's going to upset his program or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's going to react basically like a jilted boyfriend or something. And I was like, okay, sure. this is this is going to be kind of interesting. That apparently wasn't the original intent, according to Memory Alpha. It was just that Braga and Minoski thought that they like the psychosexual stuff was kind of like fun to play with at the very beginning. And <laughs> but they never made a connection between it's because he loves Kess. That's why oh. that this is going. So I, I was like, oh, that's disappointing. And then apparently Michael Pillar had them toned down the rest of the script. He thought it was too much for the character. He thought that people wouldn't be able to as you're saying, like when they end it and the, the reset button is hit, the audience wouldn't be able to forgive the doctor if he went any further with it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you have like, if you have everybody's fan favorite character, the doctor, like rape somebody, I don't think there's any coming that, back from the, that. The interesting thing is that he sort of gets to, like he stalks that ensign down the hallway, you know? Right, yeah. And, and no, I like absolutely. that stuff. Like, So I'm not saying he... He doesn't necessarily have to actually commit sexual violence, but I thought they did this really cool job of hinting at what he was thinking about. Sure. You know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's, that's, I think there is an, an interesting story in there and I just don't know why they decided to go the way they did with it. Yeah. Cause it's not <laughs> like the, <laughs> just the doctor, face. the doctor turning into this, the, uh, combined evil of every, I guess four four philosoph- people. philosophical <laughs> thinker in human history is to to Gandhi and, and Lord Byron. Yeah, who knew Socrates was such a monster? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know that that's like I don't know what they're trying to do with that. Uh, like they had it, you know they they had the the plate was spinning, and then they tried it. They tried to put spin another plate, and both of them just smashed. And it's the it's the Voyager problem, right? Like Voyager yeah. can't do a character story. At this point in the show, it's just it's like incapable of doing it. And so what I thought was and I was even set up to be bored. I was like, this looks like a terrible cast story. She falls for this guy who's clearly turns out to be the wrong guy in Voyager to rescue or something. Not the way that the mm. show goes, but what I thought was going to happen. But just to have for how important the conflict is between the doctor and Kess here. And it's about Kess leaving that after the first 15 minutes, that's no longer the point anymore it's just the doctor becomes this like mustache twirling villain who kidnaps people and beams them down you know to a cliff and then Mm. threatens to throw them off the cliff it just they completely abandoned any sense of like this is the actual cool cast story let's instead focus on this sci-fi story that is kind of bullshit doesn't make a whole lot of sense and doesn't even really like eventually it just abandons whatever the initial concept was. He goes off in a completely different direction about what kind of villain he's supposed to be. And I, I was disappointed by that. And I thought it was, it ended up just killing the episode, but th- yeah. there was potential as we, as we've said. Yeah. And I think that, I think the whole episode gets kneecapped by the ending completely because I think the, the only way you can do a story like this, I think is if something fundamentally changes at the end of it, right? Yeah. Because otherwise, if your story is about Kess feeling like she needs to spread her wings and fly, and then uh, the guy who has been friend-zoned by her turns into a fucking monster because he's so jealous that she's going to leave, and then the end of the story is he goes back to normal, everybody says, don't worry about it, and Kess says, well, I think I'll stick around. Yeah, I'll just stick around. Like, that's, that's, that you can't do that. Yes. 
that's the symptom of of the television show peeking through the story. Like it, you you have to return things back to zero, and they're telling a story that fundamentally can't have things returned back to zero. No, and I think that's the I think that's the core issue with Kess actually is that in yeah. in a better serialized story, the Kess development would be allowed to flourish and change, and she would become a different character across the seasons. But yeah. but they can't do that. So the only thing they can say is that. Hey, this is crazy. She's only two years old, you know, and it's like it stops meaning anything at that point yeah. because her her decisions about growing up. That's why she's such a cool arc. Is that you could have incredibly meaningful allegorical situations for Cass that completely change her outlook on the ship and everything, portraying you know growing up and getting older from kids to adolescent to teenager to adult and all that stuff. But they they they're not allowed to have her change at the end of the episode. Right. So it's what yeah. you're saying. She's she has to hit the reset button. She's not allowed to actually leave as 99% of people do leave in this story. You know, there's there's no – most people for the allegory of this leave the nest. You know, they go somewhere right. else and they do something, but Cass can't do it. I think the one thing that they could have done that might have been interesting and would would be interesting enough to put at the end of the episode and something that they could take or leave to ever address ever again <clears throat> would be if, if Kess said, you know, I've decided to stay – I've I realize you know the value of being on this ship blah 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 blah. She says that to the doctor or whoever, and then they're like, "Oh, great, we're just, we're really glad to have you here." And then you follow her back to her quarters, and the door shuts, and she breaks down into tears. Yeah, yeah. you know, like she's she's clearly made the decision she doesn't want to make because you know because she's she's not exactly a, a forceful presence or, or personality. No, no, she's not. And <laughs> and you know, it, it would suck. It would be disappointing. But I think there, there, there's something there to, to be like, yeah, she wants to, she wants to go out into the world, yeah. But she feels an obligation, uh, rightly or wrongly, yeah, that doesn't allow her to do that, and she's really fucking messed up by it and really depressed about it. I think that's a way you could do it, where it's like, okay, well, we have something here we can mine in the future, if we want. Uh, but I mean, I don't know, it's. <laughs> I, if even there, you're coming away from the episode being like, "Oh, all of our fan favorite characters are actively making this girl's life a living hell now." Yeah, because they can't let her go, and that's not really a great look. No, it's so. not. But but I think that in in a more serious show, Neelix would have performed that function, right? He would have been mm. at more actively detrimental to Kess and and his jealousy is what's holding her back in a situation like this where he's like he's like you can't leave what am I supposed to do you know it's the, the abusive boyfriend trope about what's going on and she yeah. feels bad it's, and can't escape from it it's really interesting that they choose to do that with the doctor and not Neelix like Neelix is not even really in this at all no he's not he has yeah. he's they, just they like confirmed the they broke up this is the first time they've right. confirmed they broke up yeah, yeah. he's in the back I mean maybe he's just like you know being an adult about it he's like yeah yeah you know whatever I got I got these three hologram boob ladies <laughs> taking up all my time now. She can do whatever she wants. Right. But it, it was it was very strange that everybody in this everybody in the cast gets at least like a walk on in this. Yeah. Except Neelix, who's just kind of in the background, not even involved in the story of his ex girlfriend being stalked <laughs> by the doctor. <laughs> Voyager's not a serious show, unfortunately. Um, yeah. It, it's. I'm a little bit surprised by how quickly they have fallen into this trap. You know, I, I thought that the show would sort of do its own thing for a couple seasons, but they, they went to this pretty quickly where they're just yeah. not, they're not going to really 
stick with the character development in the way that DS9 did or anything. It's much more, obviously, as people say, inspired by TNG than anything else. But it's, its construction and its characters are built for a serialized story. Like, they designed yeah. them that way. And um, when they gave up on that, the characters got severely crippled by it, I think. They, just, they can't recover because they don't have anywhere else to go. Yeah, it's 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 really unfortunate to see. I know we've talked about this a number of times before, but just how this show is, um, it's just a ma- a brand maintenance show. It feels like where it's like they're not allowed to do anything really interesting or really push the envelope the way Deep Space Nine did. It's just we need we need Star to Trek. get yeah. yeah we yeah. need something that has the Star Trek name on it with costumes people recognize. Maybe we'll bring back the Borg so yep. people get, you know, horny about that. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Zach Handlin. Oh, sorry. Zach Handlin is, uh, I follow him on Patreon. I support him there. And he's going through Enterprise right now. And he's, mm-hmm. I, I feel I feel a sort of kindredness with him because he he sort of has our thoughts going through the series in a different way. Like he, he's even voicing, his latest review was like, starts off with this like, have I just watched too much Star Trek at this point? Yeah. Like, you know, like, is yeah. there is there a, am I even objectively able to say that this is no good? Because he, he, he was on that um, Dean Stockwell Prison Planet episode of Enterprise. And he's, oh, like, yeah. he's like, this is the most generic <laughs> episode of Star Trek that's yeah. possible to put out there. And he's like, have I just seen too much? And I, I can't even be fair. And I feel the same way. But I, I think it's the same problem of like Enterprise and Voyager feel the same in that way in that they they don't feel like they are trying to do anything other than here is an AI generated Star Trek script that we yeah. can put out. And it, it, unfortunately it feels that way a lot of the time. Well, it's so strange too. Cause I mean, even enterprise, it's like, what is it about? I don't know if it's cold feet on the, the, the producer's side or something, but what is it about coming up with these legitimately interesting concepts to further the, the franchise, whether it's Voyager or even enterprise. Right. And You're talking then, about the context of the setting for each of them. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You know, Enterprise is like, okay, it's the first Enterprise. There's a lot of interesting things you could do there. And then, like, they just kind of, it's like they they kind of, the, the concept kind of makes it its way to the finished product. Yeah. And then by, like, the third episode, they're like, yeah, we can't, this is too risky. We can't do this. We yes. need to just run just into even, an alien. Even ship. Yeah, run into an alien yeah. and deal with it and get out of there. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that Enterprise wasn't, five years later or something you right. know or like just a, little, a bigger gap between voyager and enterprise yeah well or just, in terms of modern in the, tv yeah, yeah in the in terms of modern tv it's a shame it wasn't like five or six years later where maybe we're in the breaking bad Mad Men era yeah yeah and they could take some chances you know yep. get a brian cranston type to be the well i mean i guess scott ba- <laughs> scott bacula is basically a brian cranston type yeah um to to be the captain and just kind of just to, to end, put, it on, put it out the series. At, yeah. at, at 10 p.m. on AMC. And, <laughs> Have some I mean, Vulcan honestly, tits all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm, I, I'm just describing Discovery. I realize that now. But, but you know, the, the point is, like, it, it's it's strange that they, they jettison these good ideas so quickly just to go back to uh, the status quo. Yeah, I need yeah. to talk to uh, Sean's wife, Katana, mm-hmm. because she... I, I mentioned we were covering Voyager, mm-hmm. and she said, I love Voyager. Yeah, Sean does too, I, though, right? Like, yeah. yeah. He, I don't, 
I don't know what level he loves Voyager at. Like from he, does, he doesn't say he lo- he doesn't stress the loves when he says that he's just no. He, she definitely yeah. stressed the love, and I be I'm curious to ask her about it because I don't know if. I mean, I, I, I'm, I don't want to uh, dismiss anybody's opinion or yeah. anything, but I, I was curious if maybe if that was the first one she it's ever gotta watched. It's got to be. I was just going to say, it's like if I would predict one thing, it's the first Star Trek she watched. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm curious. I, I, next time I talk to her, I'll ask and see if I can, if I can get a, uh, an answer. Yeah, and what her thoughts are about it. Yeah, that would be, that would be the assumption. And also, and and also I mean, there's when, nothing wrong with that. If you love Voyager, what, great. No, I'm that, happy for you. That's kind of the Hanlon argument, though. Like, and what we talked yeah. about this too. Like, if we watched Voyager first, would we be where we are with it? Yeah, you know, and and probably not. You'd, you'd probably, you'd probably think that. Because it would kind of be like TOS, like there's like a novelty to the situation mm. that you're watching because yeah. you've never seen any of it before. Yeah, I would like to hope I would have the presence of mind to watch this episode and still come away. Yeah, going, think yes, this this ain't it, guys. <laughs> I would too, and so that's the I think that's the the thing that makes it very um, strange. But did you? I wasn't. Uh, you know, I, I said before I. I just saw the way that I saw this episode was like the stuff that I, after I got over the initial boredom of Kesson, I was like, Oh, they're actually going to do something with it. You just see them go. You just see their like balls shrivel up and they're, they're like, we can't do it. We just can't yeah. do this. We can't go this way with this episode. They always get so close to being interesting. And they do. They just that's the Voyager eject in yeah. the last second. And that, it's so frustrating. That's the Voyager trick so far, I think is to do that. And you know, I got to the end of this one and I thought that I was started noticing all the characters were tertiary and stupid. I I got really kind of annoyed by the fact it was like this maybe is the worst in a franchise that has to do one episode romances. This cast and Zaheer thing was one of the worst that I've seen, I think. Yeah. Like I don't I don't understand what the attraction is there. Also, there's a kind of tangential thing. And this ties she, into Do they have sex? They kiss. That's the implication, right? That they have sex. Well, she's I think been so. out since three three a.m. Right. So yes, right. Yeah. What else are you doing? Yeah. Not not watching Voyager. Not reading the good book. I don't think anything <laughs> like that. Translating yeah. rock lights. So I have a couple questions for you. Um, mm. How do you feel about the? Well, uh, let me remind me to say Kess. Kess's age. Just I'll I'll do the other one first. But remind me if I forget. Kess's age. The Borg. Um, why this ties into my criticism of the Borg in the previous episode that I said that we were going to get to later on in it. I didn't realize the next episode would actually give me an end to this. Mm. Why does the show not want to have the conversation that Tuvok and the guy have about this dangerous area they're going into be about the Borg and is instead some sort of nonsense empire that we've never heard of? Yeah. What are they doing with the Borg? Why introduce them this way? Why have the Delta Quadrant be what seems like it's the Wild West and has almost been like crippled by the Borg? Like there's no development in the Delta Quadrant that we've seen. Right, right. Why are they so scared to bring them in now and like develop this as a you're approaching this bad space thing and to build the Borg in a way that they are actually terrifying and something that we're scared to be running into? I just thought yeah. it was weird. You just you just ran into the Borg last episode. Just have them have them mention it one hand, offhand in this episode. Just like you're you're going near them. It is kind of bonkers that 
the Borg's whole thing, like the way that <clears throat> Q introduces us to the Borg is by saying they are this single-minded collective that all they do is consume, consume and assimilate and they will absolutely destroy your entire quadrant if they make it to the alpha quadrant. It's like, holy shit, we've never seen anything like that before. Yeah. And then we finally get to the delta quadrant and the result of that seems to be everyone's kind of fine. <laughs> they just they all wear big jackets now, you know. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're they're slightly more primitive, but the show itself hasn't even acknowledged that that's a Borg impact on anything. Right. Yeah, like it's kind of wild to me that that I mean, I don't I don't think it's a bad idea that it took 3 seasons to introduce them agreed. on screen. Yeah, agreed. It's a big space. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like if the Delta Quadrant is where the Borg are from, theoretically, they've probably sucked those bones dry, you know? Yes. Yeah. And so what does a post Borg quadrant look like? And you could always keep that in the background. I mean, even if you don't address it and be like, "Man, have like someone like some, you know, dumbass like Harry Kim be like, what is, what is going on here? Right. Why? What is? What could have possibly caused all of this? And then Janeway being like, I know what fucking caused this. <laughs> Ensign. <laughs> you know, like yeah. like have it be this sort of looming presence. Um, it's just it's it's bonkers to me that they went to the Delta Quadrant and just forgot about the Borg until now. And yeah, kind of to your point, instead of building off of what they did last episode and be like, yeah, you're going into this space that is notoriously Borg heavy or something. Yeah. Or not it's even mention like, them by name, you know, just like yeah. they're the, they're the ones that it's like they're you, we don't, people in this quadrant don't go into that area, you know, it's yeah. like nothing yeah. good happens. there. Well, you can't cause you have to establish that the, you know, Piscine Raiders or whatever okay. bullshit they come up with <laughs> is are, are out there and ooh, might get you. Yeah. They, they might get you. Yeah. Yeah. Space pirates always out there somewhere. But it's good because it allows me to bring Why is there so many space pirates? What's wrong with the economy of the quadrant? <laughs> what been, possibly could have caused this? It's been been borgified. And I it I'm happy because it allows me to bring up the point. My my thought in unity about what they did with the Borg was I thought a bad decision at that point to introduce a crippled Borg ship, right? Like imagine if we were building towards in a way that they built towards meeting the Dominion and Deep Space Nine, they, they name dropped them a couple times. Sure. But we know what the Borg are. The first time mm, that Voyager Swedish. runs in, the first time the Borg the Voyager runs into a cube, I think it would have been so much more impactful if, if it was a functional cube, right? Mm. Like if, if it was actually working. I don't know. I mean, maybe a Unity episode can come later or something, but I, I just think that they did a poor job knowing that they were going in this direction of getting to a Borg story, of really laying track and being like, there is something bad coming at the end of this season. Well, you know, I'm I'm going to disagree with that because I, I actually, I do like that they come across a non-functioning Borg cube mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> because it kind of feels to me, because obviously the Borg are coming back, right? Seven of nine showing up at some point, either the end of the season or early next season. Yeah. And so they're definitely coming back. So I'm assuming that they know this, that they know that they're coming back. So I kind of, I like the idea of them running across a, a non-operational Borg cube in the same way as like in Alien, they find the husk of the big ship Yep. before they encounter that you know what i mean that kind of thing where it's like oh it's it's a it's a harbinger of of what is out there the thing is though that doesn't do you any good if you don't follow that up 
it with bits like we're talking about where it's like yeah you know we can't go over there because of the board you know, like right. it, it, you having the board cube there as something as a big reminder of what's going out going on and a big uh uh, uh you know red red flag about what's coming down the pike i actually really like that idea mm-hmm. but i think in order for that to really work you need to i think i think in in the in that episode itself you need to do things differently like we talked about last episode and i think you need to keep that at the top of your 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 note card board being like this is always out there how can we seed what's coming yeah yeah i guess my the the alien analogy wouldn't would for me the problem with the alien analogy is that in alien they don't know what the the ship is sure yeah it's not a one-to-one but it's the same the same kind of idea where you're seeing you're seeing the results of something or or the uh uh it's it's foreboding enough yeah. to give you a sense of what's coming down the pike, even though even w- whether or not you know what it, what that is. Yeah, I, I guess from my point of view, I would if I was doing this, I would want the I would want the first appearance of the of a cube in Voyager to be something that we've been building for, and it become. I want it to be as impactful as when they in TNG when they see the cube for the first time and they just dramatically zoom in on it again mm-hmm. as it's coming mm-hmm. towards them and the music plays. That's a good moment, I think, you know, and I, I think that the problem with the unity idea was that they found it and were immediately like, well, let's just go on board and see what's going yeah. on over there, you know, yes. and, and, and I think yeah. that's, you have to do that when you find a unpowered board cube where I would much rather Voyager be red alert all the time and eventually a cube shows up, you know. Well, so I, I, I would go the other way just because I, I feel like if if you come out of that episode where you run afoul of the the shutdown cube and you get into a situation again the ending of that episode they they fucking yep. they they punt as they always seem to do <clears throat> but if you had a satisfying ending to that episode where for whatever reason the thing comes back however you want to do it voyager barely gets out of there and then you just have someone say like that was a cube that wasn't even working. What's going to happen when we yep. finally run into one that's po- at full power? Yeah, and sure. so that gives you this looming thing where it's like, shit. Yeah, if this one's here, that means there's other ones. Yeah. So what is going to happen when they finally run into one that's at full power? That's fair. That's fair. I think we. Um, I think we're mostly aligned. Just about. I, I think we have different um, visuals in our head about like what yeah. we would want to see on it. But I, I, I agree generally with the point. Uh, Kess's age, I've remembered on my own. Uh, <laughs> Kess is two, and not that I disagree enough that I would ever push back, but there's a lot of there's always a conversation about like, and I think we've even mentioned it before, like her her age becomes a problem because Neelix was dating like a two year old, you know? Yeah, and it's a problem the same way that it's a problem that Angel is dating Buffy who's 17 and he's like 250 years old. Yeah. I, I think that <laughs> it's, it's uh, these, these numbers. It's like, yeah, it's, 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 it's an issue <laughs> being very literal, but it's like in the world of the show, it's like, uh, uh, all right. Well, I mean, I was, I, cause I, for the Ocampo one, I would actually say that the Buffy one is worse because it's like a, it's a human, human thing where the uh, Kess sure. is an alien that has been, she's basically lived one fifth of her life. Right. So if yeah. you were to extrapolate it, She's not really two. If you base it on a human, she'd be more like she's twenty at this point. And yeah, well, I mean, like, would you apply that same mathematics to a, a child who dies when they're nine? 
in, ter- in, ter- in terms of it's that like, they've lived their whole life, you mean? Yeah, it's like if yeah, it's like well, you know, well, you know, in, but as far as Ocampus are concerned, they get they made it all the way through. No, but Kess Kess is Kess never talks like a two year old. She never right. talks like sure. a child. She yes. she's always yeah. portrayed as an adult female. Yeah, and it's more honestly, it, it's it's like a dog. It's more like a dog. You mean dog years that don't mean? Yes. Yeah, dog years don't mean. Yeah. I I I guess so my like point is a twelve year old dog is like a. 80 year old right. person. Yes. You know, that kind of <laughs> Correct. That, that's my point about Kess is that she's not, she might be a perfectly normal age for Neelix. You know, it's like they, they've artificially sure. screwed things up by saying that she's only going to live for so long. I, and so I never found it creepy that that was the case. But I thought it got me wondering about like, again, it just brings me back to the point of if you thought that, if you had thought out Kess's arc a little bit better, she should have probably been more childlike in the early seasons. You know, yeah, develop a little bit more. I think naive. You gotta walk. Yeah, I think you gotta walk a really fine line there, though, because Neelix is dating her. Yeah, 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 and if she's quote unquote two years old and she's acting like a child, then it's like, well, this gets creepy really fast. But I do understand what you're saying, and I do think I think what they're doing here is the right amount. Well, they probably could be doing more, but I think they're approaching it the right kind of way, where she isn't like developmentally a th- too young or too yep. naive or anything like that but she is aware of her own lifespan the way that someone who would be you know 20 years old right is aware of of their lifespan and, and the point they are in their life i i think i i actually i like the, the way that they handle it but i i do agree i think there's i think there's room to wiggle there where you can you can make her a bit more um, representational of what this Ocampan lifespan looks like, yeah. without getting really weird with it or yes, creepy. yeah. Because I I think the better stories will come from that. It's just this this coming yeah. of age story for Cass, and then a middle age story, and et cetera, et cetera. And you can you know different different writers of different ages will have different opinions about it. Because um, yeah, I mean if if you look at it, it's like I don't know how long she was with. Neelix. Let's say she was with yeah. Neelix for a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that he's basically the equivalent of like a high school boyfriend. Correct. Right. That's you know? the way I think of it. Yeah. 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 The high school uh, not boyfriend that... who's like forty-five. Right. Yeah. See, I mean, they, they... <laughs> Ethan Phillips. It, it, it is the same depressed. equivalent. It's the same as if of seventeen-year-old Buffy Summers dating two hundred-year-old <laughs> Angelus. I only have one additional point. I think I uh, I did. Voyager, just like Enterprise, will occasionally do things that creep me out, and the the malfunctioning mm. holodeck characters creeped me out a little bit. I thought that that was pretty effective. Yeah, that was pretty. the The one that got me was uh, uh, Hollow Socrates. Is he the one on the, the ground? Yeah, the yeah. top like like a, a action figure that had been pulled yes. apart. Yeah, or, yeah, that was kind of half good. of the lightsaber or something. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And I also I did like the Doctor standing over the. Uh, glitching out body of Lord Byron, basically yeah. <laughs> like poking him with sensors and stuff. In the original script, I think they were saying in that scene, the doctor would have been poking around in holographic versions of Kess that he created. And she, oh. would, she would come in and he would say, I'm just getting to know you better or something. Oh, like that. that's, I mean, I love that, but that's fucking creepy as hell. Like you can't, you can't come back from that. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I was, I guess, you know, it's a good point. Unless you did like a Superman 3 thing 
where you physically split the two apart so right, you can make you pull, it very clear. Throw one into the fire, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that the doctor was not the one who was doing this. Do you do you think that they didn't have enough runway with the, the fact that he's a holographic program? Mm-hmm. I thought that's the reason they could get away with it is because they can always just say he malfunctioned, you know, and it's like they, they have this escape hatch where it's like he's not really the doctor. It's just you got an insight that, you know, they could end up being like the doctor would never act this way, but... It's something that is yeah. clearly in him, you know, that kind of a thing. I, 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 I think something like that is 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 too far because at that point it's like, okay, if that's a malfunction, I don't think I can ever trust this thing ever again. Yeah. You know what I mean? We've had that about Data too. You know, it's like right. when Data yeah. goes rogue, how often are you going to trust him or continue to trust yeah, him? Yeah, exactly. Uh, any other thoughts about this one or should we go with the uh, patron thoughts? Uh... No, I think I'm good. All right, so that's it. We'll go to Patreon Thoughts. Everyone who wants to support the show can go to patreon.com slash file. You leave a couple dollars. You can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes, and we read them on the podcast. There's only 13 Darkling comments, which is very low, and I was surprised that that's all that there are going to be. But if you want to support the show, Patreon, leave your comments. We'll read them on the podcast. We'll start with numero uno here, one out of 13, Kyle Barrett. Let me actually get into your little Discord chat bubble room. There it is. Uh, I'll let you read Kyle's first, I guess. Here, I'll copy this. I'll send it over to you. This is Kyle Barrett with Darkling. Darkling. I was totally expecting the story about a creature so massive it generates its own gravitational field to be the start of a Yo Mama joke. Mm -hmm. Or Star Mm. Wars ripoff, I think. The first 10 minutes of this one have potential, but the rest is nonsense. The episode should be about the Doctor's jealous dark side appearing, but they play that as a twist at the end, and instead his evil deeds are lamely excused because he created a dastardly Byron Gandhi cocktail, which has no thematic relevance whatsoever and is just plain dumb. Kesh grew up stuck in underground caves being molested by Neelix and only has a few years to live her live so her wanting to become a hedonistic explorer makes perfect sense but no this isn't the episode she leaves the show if she has to leave voyager then this is a good way to do it but as for the way she actually does well they'll burn that bridge when they get to it two pieces of scenery stuck in robert picardo's teeth out of five yeah i think just overall much like everything else in the show the idea of the ocampan thing is is good yeah it's an interesting idea but they just do nothing with it because yeah, he Kyle's right. Like these characters, like these these people should be like fucking daredevils or something. You know, like yes, uh, yeah. swashbuckling adventurers. Yep. They've got ten years to live, and they're gonna make the most out of it. Yeah, they should basically just. It's just a coked up version of a real life experience. You know, like it's it's right. dealing with a teenage situation, except more egregious because they go through it so quickly, and it's just mm-hmm. kind of almost like a a schizophrenic outlook. And that would You've be really think. interesting. You got to think that built into their society is the fact that they're just fucking all the time. Yes, right. That's because awesome. if they if they die when they're <laughs> ten, like you really got like a limited window to procreate. Yep. And that even on top of that, you'd think that okay, well, if you die when you're ten and you're ready to go at two or whatever, right. or whatever it is. Yep. Then you're gonna you know. No, you got like lemmings. You got to have large pipes, large litters. <laughs> yeah, just, you can all plummet off the cliff and uh, into the sea. 
Tax Owlbear says, Darkling, they probably didn't do this on purpose, but if you don't want to generate an evil twin, maybe don't install yourself with the personalities of four historical figures, of which three have modern, by, have by modern standards highly questionable views on sexuality. And the fourth one, Tapau, is fictional. I need to know what Gandhi's sexual proclivities yeah. are. I, I didn't know any of this. Anyway, also, Cass realizing that she is going to die soon and should probably have some fun would have been the more interesting thing to focus on. Cancito says, Darkling, well, this is a rarity, a doctor episode that whiffs, one out of five. Patrick Seba says, I'll read the verse, I'll, I'll, I'll spare you this. <laughs> My first verse discarded over Berman's glare. Yes, cold open incels just beg for his flair. But we'd be remiss to never ask this. Who at Lego designed Dear Kess's hair? One of Gandhi's holographic underage roommates out of five. Oh, was he into children or something? Is that Gandhi's... Oh, was he? Oh, Maybe. No that, that's just going off that comment. That might be. You know, you can't judge people. You can't go in with your Western standards about who you're allowed to have sex with. This is Norman Buckwald with Darkling. Darkling. Even Robert Picardo's acting could not rescue this mess of a script. It seems Kess is going through, quote, adolescence without still trying to make it clear to the audience she and Neelix broke up while Mr. Hyde does his evil. This episode has been called by fans as the first in the trilogy of terror, although the <laughs> second one is not, not that bad. <laughs> one one howling prop out of five. I'm really curious to know what the other two are. Yeah, we'll get to. Although I, the trilogy, we went through a, a trilogy of terror and Enterprise that was three ones in a row, and I, I think that was worse than this episode was. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll see when we get to the end of it. Darkling. Uh, Jaron Hatch says the producers decide to give Kess a sexy cat suit, and in its very first episode, her mentor gets rapey. Classic Voyager. No wonder for Jennifer Lean Leanne, I guess I don't know how you pronounce her last name, went batshit crazy after getting kicked off of the show. Two bobblehead Gandhis out of five. Yeah, I did. I did notice the the jumpsuit. Is this the first time she wears that? Uh, again, this goes down to me not noticing any of this stuff. I didn't yeah. even realize it was different from her normal outfit. I did notice that, like, I couldn't tell if the scene where she's been up all night, it looked like her suit was fitting very poorly. And I couldn't tell if that was just good character work on the uh, visual character work or if it just was like they hadn't figured out how to make this outfit work yet. (laughs) (laughs) This is Matt Ross with Darkling. Darkling. You know the doctor really needs some limits on his freedom. I do like how the evil doctor's hair and demeanor change. I noticed the hair. (laughs) That's what I did notice. (laughs) And he even looks unshaved. The aliens, whatever. I think watching Gandhi's head roll in a circle is one of the better weirdnesses of the episode. Picard and Leanne, fun to watch. And that's the only reason it gets a three out of five from me. You still there? I'm still here. Oh, sorry. It just chopped out at the very end. I clicked and it like chopped and it made me very concerned that I chopped the wrong button. Changeling says, Darkling, so are we just going to ignore the fact that the doctor tried to kill someone? I don't know about you, but when I intentionally alter my mental states and commit assault, I go to jail. I'm at odds with the episode. It took me three tries to finish it because the first half was so boring, but I really liked the doctor going Mr. Hyde, or I guess in this case, just Mr. in the second half. 1.5 headbanging Gandhis out of five. Do you think it's enough at the end that he recites the Hippocratic Oath to reset him back to... No, you know, it's not. No. It's not appropriate to, to, to <laughs> denigrate the oath. I um, 
Boy, this episode could like when he's got Balan on the on the like tied down and he's like stroking the inside of her thigh and stuff. I'm like, oh yeah. my god, this Star Trek episode is going to go places. Um, excellent choice of Balana as the person in that situation. I thought she's yeah. she's very capable of like fighting back against him, and and it doesn't come across as um, extremely awful. Interestingly, I, th- I thought that I thought Dawson did a really good job of playing that in such a way that it doesn't come across as like a uh, exploitation film or anything. Yeah, I w- <laughs> much like the last episode, is it the last one or the one before that? Anyway, uh, she she no, it's the one the 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 oh, blood, blood, fe- fire blood fever. Yeah, yeah. she uh, she 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 gives him a lot of rope. She does. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I kept thinking when when uh, when he was down on when he was down with Kess in the bar there, all I kept thinking was like Kess, just grab the fucking hologram thing off yeah, his arm, just smash it, smash it. Although I he was fucking with it and like, well, you'll die if you move. whatever. Another another good epi- another good idea a hologram holding someone in fire. That's a good idea. You know. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a that's a that's a good attack plan from a hologram. I don't understand why he did that to that guy or what relevance it had to the plot at all, but we're, we'll, he needed a ship. We'll get where had we to got. get a ship. Point extra G says, Darkling, this episode gives us Bob Picardo running around and being insane. Does it even matter what the plot is? Uh, I'll send you this last one, I think. There's a couple more, but this will be your last one. The rest are short. This is Grappler John Zorn. Sadly, this could have been an interesting episode if the writers knew anything about the historical figures they invoked. What if we use the sci-fi vehicle to actually investigate the psychology of a Gandhi or a Socrates to find their inadequacies in present-day dilemma? You, man, you really are not watching this show if that's what you're looking for. <laughs> it's a it's good a, idea. It's an interesting notion that our inner pantheon of heroes might hold negative interactions that require our own humanity to justify. Uh, to translate that, they were all really racist. <laughs> that's that's the that's the way the the modern shows would go. Yeah. Uh, instead, Picardo twirls his mustachio, and whoever Kess takes a liking to gets brutally hurled off a cliff. Shame on you, Kess. One out of five. It's not Kess's fault. One out of five. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I would. I mentioned my ignorance before. I would need someone better than Gandhi, like Gandhi's proclivities or whatever, yeah. or Lord Byron. Like, but I, I could easily see that being the case and it would be something um there's something interesting there about you know the some of the great ancient thinkers still believed in slavery and everything they're all products of their time and stuff like that but voyager is not going to be the show that does that i suppose every single one of them would go a woman captain huh (laughs) slaps her on the ass artoria says darkling it reminds me of the psychological concept of the shadow and virtue is a rabbit virtuous because it does no harm? Well, you can call something that does not have the cap- have, have the capacity for harm virtuous. Can you be virtuous and be a monster? Well, do you have the capacity for violence and how do you act on it? When psychologists asked what's the, dif- asked what's the difference between people who committed the Holocaust and us, the answer they found was very little. I guess perhaps we're all monsters, whether sleeping or awake, but you have the, but you have the courage to choose to face the shadow and if how... And if so, sorry, how do you incorporate that element into yourself and choose to act on it? Also, Picardo's acting is great. Three dark threads out of five. I I recently saw something. I don't remember what it was. I think it was like a quote, a clip from a movie or something. Yeah. Where uh, um, the 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 big line was, <clears throat> it had something to do with animals. Like there was, and and the big line was, 
well, have you ever seen an animal make a mistake? And that was like the big mic drop right. thing. Yep. And I thought about it for a second. I was like, that's kind of a clever line. But then I was like, I've seen a lot of dead animals on the road. I'm Correct. pretty sure I've seen animals that make mistakes. <laughs> I, 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 my first instinct was a mouse running through a maze to get food will make a mistake. Like it just will go down the yeah. wrong pathway. You know. I've seen my dog walk into a table enough times. <laughs> that's, that's right. <laughs> animals... Yeah, you see uh, those videos of the bear that climbed the tree outside, like the police station. They get shot with a dart and fall into the electrical wires. That bear made a mistake. <laughs> made a big mistake. Rayosa. There's always those videos of like a lion, a really majestic looking lion that does a big yawn and just like loses its balance <laughs> yeah. and slides down a hill. That's right. Yeah. Right into the mouth of an alligator. Yep. And plenty of adorable. Uh, panda babies going down a slide on their asses and just falling yeah. off and rolling down. That's well, the whole metaphor about lemmings is based around lemmings yeah. making mistakes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So whatever this movie was, it was terrible. It must have been badly that, written. It must have been that ghost Denzel Washington movie. <laughs> I will say Denzel Washington could deliver that line very well. Have you ever seen him? Have you ever seen an animal make a mistake? No, I, I mean, to hear like that. No, I haven't. Great point. He came, there's a good comedian bit who does uh, impersonations and he does like Denzel. He's, the bit is him. He goes in like a, a wings joint that Denzel, he learns that Denzel Washington is the owner of. It's, it's very, very <laughs> funny. I would recommend people look that up. Look up um, Denzel Washington impression hot sauce. Uh, Roy O says, Darkling, a dud. Usually using, usually using historical figures can spice up an episode, but they do nothing with them except use them as props. The Mad Doctor would be put to better effect in future episodes. He comes back as oh the boy. Mad Doctor, 1.5 out of 5. And the final comment is Jonas Darkling. So the newly single cast has some bright red blush on for all the scenes except for the last one. And all the scenes, that is, where she was courting the new alien. I guess she got plane back on the ship where there was... I guess she got plane back on the ship where there was no hunk in sight. The dialogue between Byron and Gandhi was unsubtle. This was a fun episode to watch, but not a very good one. Hey, no Neelix, three out of five. We can't end every Voyager episode with hey, no Neelix, three out of five, but we're trying to. <laughs> so I think the the patrons probably, end, there's a couple ones and a couple threes. I'm going to say they ended up at a two average. So what mm. are you going to say, Clan, or scale of one to five? What do you rate this episode? Well... Uh, I tend to give points for episodes that aren't great, but have interesting ideas in them. Yeah. But I am going to deduct points for having interesting ideas that were just completely wasted. Sure. Uh, I think I'm going to give this a one. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I'll give it a two. Um, I was I was thinking about a two, but I've given a lot of twos. Yeah. And this is worse than those episodes, I think. Okay. Yeah, I can't argue. I, I I'm stuck in the. I still think that it was it was uh, interesting on some level. Like the the failure, I guess, is still kind of interesting. Yeah. I, I, if they this, had gone I with that know. that sexual predator monster thing, like that's it would be like, <laughs> wow, what a what a ballsy Voyager this is. But no, it didn't. It didn't I think go that's that the, I think that's the thing for me is like it it has these things on the table, mm. but it is so afraid to do anything with them. Yeah. And then to just cap it all off, that ending where it's like, yeah, none of this matters. Everything's going back to one. And yeah. everything you just watched just doesn't have any, there's no point to any of this. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I can't. I can't disagree with you one. I'll give it a two to average it out a little bit. I'm not. I'm, I, I feel like I can't. Don't have the list, but I feel like there are worse ones that we've seen this season. So I'll, I'll give it a two just to bump up our average a little bit. But I, I can't disagree with giving it a one. I thought it was a, a pretty bad episode. Um, although again, we're entering the trilogy of terror, and I didn't know if it was if I thought it was that bad. But maybe we'll is say. this like three in a row? Is the trilogy? I think, of terror? I think it is. It's just supposed oh, to be okay. three badly reviewed episodes in a row. So. Gotcha. The next ones are I can because I'm on the page I can see them. So it's Rise and then Favorite Son. Both okay. of those sound like Enterprise episodes. <laughs> yeah, they I do. Feel, I feel like I've Fortunate Son was an Enterprise episode. I think. Anyway, thanks everybody. It thanks patrons. It ain't me. It ain't me. Um, what is a rummage sale? Is that a yard sale? I think so. Okay. Thanks everybody for supporting the show on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> I always wonder. Uh, Patreon.com slash The Penske Valley. You can leave your comments. You support the show. All the other shows on the little podcast network uh, get supported from that, the Patreon. So you can go there, do that. Thank you very much. There's a Discord. You can also join that. Leave your thoughts on the Discord about this episode when it comes out. Leave your thoughts on the YouTube video. That's it. Thanks, everybody. Clay, do you have anything you want to say? Yeah, check out Rotten Horror Picture Show on Patreon. Amanda and I are doing video nasties this year. And we're uh, this month in August, we're doing Toby Hooper's The Fun House. We just did Sleepaway Camp on the main feed because we realized we'd done a bunch of summer camp horror movies, but they were all Patreon episodes. Yep. So we brought uh, some summer camp to the main feed. And uh, the next episode we're going to be doing is The Exorcist in honor of William Friedkin's passing this past week. So uh, that should be fun. Man, um, if if you've ever listened to our show... Mm -hmm. You know that there is a uh, a big discrepancy as far as um, where these movies are placed on this list that we work off of, which is the Rotten Tomatoes 200 Best Horror Movies of All Time list. Yeah, just uh, that you, might... you find the you find the algorithm inscrutable, basically. Yes, yeah. and we might have a new champion as far as worst positioning on the list, which is uh, our previous barometer had been the The Shining, yeah, which started off in like like at 117 or something yeah and then eventually moved up to like 100 or somewhere in there uh the the which is still criminally very, high very, very high list, yeah or low depending on how you want to look at it um the exorcist is number 126 oh wow on this list which is the exorcist being a movie that many people consider to be the scariest movie of all time and might be the only movie. No, I guess the sounds of the list. I was going to say it might be the only movie on the list that has won an Oscar. Uh, what, what one of a, only a couple, what year did exorcist come out? 70. I want to say 73. It came out. The first one is 73, 73. Yeah. Cause that rot that rotten tomatoes ranking basically functions like war so it was 1973 a very good year for horror uh in retrospect it was yeah i think 73 is it has westworld wicker man wicker nothing man, but the yep. night the exorcist don't look now yep i think it's i think it ran into it's that's what's killing it in that rating system but like the exorcist is the best of those uh, yeah, like in the, all of those other movies that you just listed off ex with this, most people don't know. Sure. You know, like The Wicker Man and what was the last one you said? Uh, don't Look Now. Yeah. Those are great now. movies, but those are fairly niche. The Exorcist is like, 
has a hundred percent name brand recognition. No, you know? no, I agree. Yeah, that I mean that um that rating uh, system is is bizarre, but that that's that would be my guess as to why it's so low there because it's a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It must be right. Yeah, I yeah. I, I, I haven't looked, but it, it probably, I assume it probably so. is. Yeah. But, but I mean, yeah, Sleepaway, Sleepaway Camp was like eighty percent on Rotten Tomatoes. That's as yeah. It was. Sense. It wasn't. It wasn't on the list. But uh, we did a wild card for that one. But yeah, it was an eighty percent. It doesn't Rotten even Tomato make sense critic. being eighty percent on critics. That that's yeah. That's it's ridiculous. Insane. I as I say on the show, I feel like it's a. It, it must be all modern reviews that are taking a more revisionist look at it. Yeah. Um, with the internet infamy baked yeah. into it, because like, come on, guys. <laughs> 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 it's an interesting movie. It's not an eighty percent movie. <laughs> well, was that? Did I did I hear? Wasn't the audience rating lower on Rotten, on Rotten Tomatoes for that movie? It was a sixty. That yeah. doesn't make any sense. It should be it should be the other way around. Like, yeah, not that the number be. should be inverted, but the audience score should be definitely be higher on that stuff. Um, that's one of my bugaboo or my um, I don't think that's the right expression, but my my bugbears or whatever is the um, pet peeve. Yeah, a little pet peeve is that the. Uh, I find, you know, people say you have to ignore the critic rating because there's always like this anti-critic sentiment out there. And they go, you have to watch the audience rating. I find the audience rating is a much less reliable number than the critic rating. Like I can disagree with yeah. the critic rating, but the audience rating is clearly an internet affected. Like it can swing based on just if someone has a Reddit thread that gets oh, successful, definitely. you know, so it's like, yeah, th- there's no, the audience score is just meaningless to me on Rotten Tomatoes, but not that the critics we, score uh, is obviously perfect. We watched a movie the other night, um, Amanda and her husband and a couple of our friends were going to, how did this get made? <clears throat> and so we all watched the movie they were covering, which it was, a, it was, it was on Amazon Prime. And I think the rating on Amazon Prime, it had like the Rotten Tomato score for the movie, and the Rotten Tomato score was like fifteen percent or something like that. Yeah, and it also had the Amazon Star rating, and it was four and a half stars. Yes, from like <laughs> from like a, over a thousand people, and it's like, all oh, right. If you if you are at four stars on Amazon, your product sucks. Basically, yeah. that's it's it's a very fine scale, but you just you have to pay attention to the to the gradients. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Darkling is the episode we just covered. I think I said we're doing Rise next, so we'll be back with Rise. Thank you very much for listening and supporting the show. We will see you later.